Welcome to the Movie Take Podcast, starring Zach Mansberry. Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of the Movie Take Podcast. Today I'm lucky enough to be joined by a friend and fellow movie fan, Corey Nasser. How are you, Corey? Good, Zach. Thanks for having me. Happy to be a part of it. Now, right out of the gate, I'm curious, what got you into movies? Uh, that's, uh... An interesting question. I'd have to say it was my dad. He always loved movies. But there used to be a video store in the town that uh, we both live in, and it was called Video Snacks. And this was back when they had VHS tapes. And if you rented eight movies and took them back, you got free tokens. And I always wanted to collect the tokens to get a free movie. And that started me into the world of how many movies can I watch? You know, you start watching a lot of other things because you want to collect the tokens. And then I'd say it really just spiraled from there. Were there any movies in particular that got you interested? Oh, one of my favorite movies of all time, as a matter of fact. Um, and it was pretty much right at the birth of when DVD started coming out, when it went from VHS to DVD. The movie was called Snatch. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. I have heard of that one. Haven't gotten to see yeah, it. Yeah, Richie. Guy Ritchie movie, um, stars uh, Jason Statham, uh, Brad Pitt is a fast-talking pikey, um, it's like a, kind of like a caper, you know, like a fast-talking British caper. Anyway, it was like the first uh, DVD I ever saw in that store, it was like sitting on the shelf, and I was like, that's a DVD, it's a new technology, I, you know, and I just fell in love with it, and it became one of my favorite movies of all time, even to this day. I can definitely relate as far as Jason Statham goes, because some of those movies are just ridiculous enough. <laughs> yeah, well, he, this is like before he was the action uh, junkie that he is today. It was like him just talking with British slang, uh, doing a, a very good job acting compared to probably what you saw in The Meg. <laughs> yeah. Or that, any of those other movies. <laughs> I was excited about The Meg. Still haven't seen it, and I'm not really no, sure that I, I want to. I don't... I'm a self-proclaimed Jason Statham look-alike, so I think I have to, uh, I gotta at least give it one look. I like it. I, I, I like that it's self-proclaimed. I don't know that it would have come to my mind. <laughs> a few people have mentioned it to me, so I'm just rolling with it, you know. Alright, alright, that's fair. Yeah. So, I guess kind of along with Jason Statham, I've gotta ask... Are there any really bad movies, according to critics, <laughs> that you would defend as a personal favorite? Yeah, there's probably lots. <laughs> you never like, now I know you're a little younger than I am, but you go back into my youth and, and I just look at movies that I held in such high regard even when I was young that were critically panned that I'm like, that's not even fair, you know? <laughs> just That's a solid movie. Helped shape my uh, young adolescence. Um, but one of those that come to mind, I was even thinking about this this morning, is uh, is Willow. You ever heard of Willow? I have not. So I'm pretty sure Ron Howard uh, directed it. It's like a fantasy movie starring Val Kilmer as Mad Mardigan and a, um, it was like a little person, I guess that would be the politically correct term. <laughs> uh he finds this baby, and he has to get this baby 
somewhere because it's like the chosen princess and there's like a sorceress involved and Mad Mardigan, Val Kilmer's character, has to save the day. But it was uh, pretty much critically, uh, you know, just smashed back then. Uh, looking back at some of the reviews now, but it was one of my favorite movies of all time growing up, and I still love watching it to this day. So you still stand by it, even after years of reflection? Still stand by it. I think it was ahead of its time, and uh, it's just a wonderful movie. A lot of fun, kind of scary, it's just great. I think uh, you should put that on your list of things to watch within the next six months. I'm seeing a 50% on it for Rotten Tomatoes. I guess that's not horrible, but it's far from being uh, considered uh, high on the tomato meter, huh? Definitely not going to win any Oscars with a 50%, but, I mean, it's not too bad of a score. I've liked movies worse than that. <laughs> Let me, I think, and this may be an unpopular opinion, but the percentages that Rotten Tomatoes gives movies now has changed the movie critic game substantially. Used to be, you know, you read a couple of reviews from some guys that, you know, that, you know, review movies and you like, OK, he liked some things about it. He didn't like some things about it. I'm going to give it a, a, a watch, develop my own opinion. Now, with the percentages on the tomato meter, and I'm not sure they're rubric. I mean, that takes people away from a lot of movies that otherwise would have been seen because of the percentage, which I think is unfair to the movie. I can see How that. Feel about I to me, Rotten Tomatoes. I feel like it's very misunderstood now as far as what it actually does. I think a lot of people think that it's one critic saying, oh, this movie wasn't very good, whereas it's really it's just a in, collection. Yeah, it's an aggregate of all the I reviews. I have started looking at the audience scores more so lately. I and struggle I with audience reflects. scores. Do you <laughs> I believe that, knowing you. <laughs> I just I I think so many of them are like whenever the Dark Knight was out and there was mm -hmm. a big movement of people trying to say oh the Dark Knight is the best movie so they tried to go on IMDb actually and they just started taking down like The Godfather rated as one of the higher rated films on that site so they started just trying to take down the best so that the Dark Knight could make it to the top Right, and that's where like my faith on a crusade. Yeah, that's where my faith wavers in the audience ratings. Well, yeah, that's like the mob. You know, you can't uh, the mob. Yeah, you mentality. can't account for what the mob does. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <clears throat> do you think the Godfather should be held in the high regard that it is? I do. I think I think the Godfather is a movie that, if you look at other movies out today, so many of them. Once you've seen The Godfather, you can kind of see where certain aspects trace back. Mm -hmm. Because The Godfather was a movie that influenced so many in little ways, big ways. Just the way that the movie is shot, the way that the story unfolds, I think it became a very big influencer. Along with other movies, for one thing, Star Wars, to me. Just the... Well, think of I'm the sorry, influence that you. they've had. Go ahead. Yeah. No, I was just saying that era of film, just, I mean, think about how the advancements in in technology as it was coming up through that, what was the Godfathers in the 70s? As yeah. was Star Wars? Yep. Star Wars, I believe, later 70s there, 78. Yeah. 
So just like good music, I mean, some of the best movies are made in the 70s. <laughs> I did know you like the 70s as far as music goes. Oh, yeah. Nothing's the same. <laughs> Though I know those movies have, have a great impact on uh, the way things are done today. I still am happy that I am alive in the era of modern cinema, even within the past 20 years. Is technology a big factor in that for you? I like technology. I think that that is definitely a big component of it. Um, you watch some of the special effects from back in the day now, and the ones that aren't practical, like some of the practical effects are okay, but the one they're trying to do a little more, it's almost hard to watch some of that now, knowing the technology they have and how cool and close to real they can make stuff these days. That is true. Not to say those things aren't good, because the storylines are still good. I get that. But from a visual standpoint, I'm happy I'm alive. I think it was about a year ago, actually, that I, I watched Citizen Kane for the first time. Never seen it. It, uh, it. I can clearly see why it's held up. Especially, again, it's that idea of clearly being able to see how much it influenced movies that are still coming out today. And especially yeah. in the camera work stuff, like just doing my research with that, it was a first for many of the styles and the way that they made it. But as far as, I mean, that movie is always championed for, I guess, the kind of twist at the end for the meaning of Rosebud. And in comparison today, it isn't exactly like an M. Night Shyamalan twist. And I right. think in that sense, things have changed a lot. Like, I could see that being a lot Shock more... Factor. Yeah, I could see it being a lot more groundbreaking at the time. Whereas today, looking back on it, unless you understand the way that the movie impacted most of what we see today, then it's kind of hard to put it into those terms and the movie doesn't really look as good. And I think that's a problem for a lot of those older movies that are regarded yeah. so highly, unfortunately. Well, I mean, I would agree with that. I mean, that's, again, that's just a testament to the times. The way they make movies is so different now because of technology. I think that changed even how they approach writing scripts. Absolutely. Now, I got to bring up one movie that you changed my mind on was <laughs> Magic Mike. Oh, yeah. I'm glad I did. I tell anybody who's willing to listen about that movie. <laughs> you convinced me to give it a shot because I like, I think probably a lot of people think it is, it comes off as just a male stripper movie for people to get together with some friends and watch and not take too seriously. Whereas, how did you describe it to me at the time? Oh, I have to rethink my words here, but um I don't even remember how I described it to you, but how I would describe it was that it is an excellent film. Um, I think Channing Tatum gives an unbelievable performance. You know, it's a guy that realizes that uh, he's caught up in a situation maybe that he doesn't want to be in, and he'd rather just follow his heart and pursue a woman he loves. And you get to have Matthew McConaughey doing his best Matthew <laughs> McConaughey impersonation. Now, what, the whole film, which I think is uh, worth it right there. What would you say to somebody that says, no, that's just a male stripper movie, nothing more? What was that question? What would you say to somebody that just regards it as, oh, that's a chick flick, 
not really anything to take too seriously. I'd say that I disagree wholeheartedly, and you should give it a chance because it is a fantastic movie and very underrated. I will say I gave it a shot, and I see exactly what you mean. I can still see why it's more the uh, yeah get your girlfriends together and go watch it, but... You still got shirtless men doing things in there. You know, some of that stuff, you know. <laughs> Not exactly my cup of tea, but <laughs> but I will yeah. give the movie credit where it's due. I mean, the story is oddly interesting. Sure. And it's a lot more dramatic than you'd expect. And, I mean, again, McConaughey being McConaughey, that's worth it for me. <laughs> what are... He sings the ladies of Tampa holding the guitar towards the end. I mean, that's worth it right there. And that was really whenever Channing Tatum kind of started to break through as an actor, too. Right. As opposed to now, some of his earlier performances. <laughs> I'm trying to think, what the heck's the movie? With him and Robert Downey Jr., um, it may have been Shia LaBeouf, too. A Guide to Recognizing Your Saints, I think is the name of the movie. That is not one that I've caught. <laughs> You might have to confirm my uh, the movie. Well, I'm pretty sure he's in it, and it's like kind of like a uh, they're in New York, and I think the one guy's in the mob. I forget it, but Shane Tatum's younger than it, and I'm pretty sure it's Shane Tatum. Can you get a con- confirm that there? But he gives a pretty good performance there, and then you know he kind of wavered a little bit um, over the years. But I think that there's some there's some hope that he can be a pretty uh, quality actor for the remainder of his career given the right projects yeah that was a guide to recognizing your saints 2006 yeah, yeah and that I think a- Shia, Robert Downey Jr. is an older Shia LaBeouf like there's like a flashback sequence to it definitely definitely worth a look that is one weird collection of actors as far as uh, careers go <laughs> whenever you get That's the kind of redemption Robert Downey Jr. and and the well falling apart Shia LaBeouf. <laughs> yeah. Well, Shia LaBeouf had a lot of hope too. I hope he comes back strong. I I still think he's a really talented actor. I just he may be too oof. still too eccentric for his own good maybe. Yeah. Yeah. The just do it thing really killed him. Yeah. <laughs> Although he he actually sat in a the theater and watched all his performances. Didn't he do that recently, within the past couple of years? Uh, yeah. Like yeah he I ran think it out was... of theater and showed all of his movies. I saw something about that at the time, yeah. yeah. It spawned several <laughs> great memes. And I know he's in, I think his best performance that I've seen might be his work in that movie, Fury. Yeah, he took that pretty seriously, too, from what I read. The role. And I believe that was directed by one of your favorites, right? David Ayer. I don't think he gets enough love. And I know, at the time I asked you, I believe, did you watch Bright? I did. I have seen it. Is it better than people think? (laughs) Or have said? I thought it was was really cool. Um, You know, it pulls in a lot of fantasy, which I'm a a sucker for some fantasy. I mean, there was some uh, racial commentary uh, about it. I assume that uh, that was his intent. So so there's some undertones there and some subtext in a lot of the uh, way the act the people who are portrayed. So, I mean, if you're tired of that kind of rhetoric, then it's definitely not for you. Okay. But, uh, 
either way, I thought it was a pretty, pretty cool story and a lot of fun. Uh, but I'm a big Will Smith guy, and I thought he did a nice job. That's true. Other than yeah. any performance that he has with his son, normally he's pretty good. <laughs> didn't see that movie for a reason, and I'm glad I didn't. What was that? Uh, <laughs> the, After Earth, or yep. what was it called? That, yeah. Yep, and glad that one got trashed. Was that M. Knight that uh, directed that? Um, or no? I, I think it was, yeah. I think it may have been an M. Night Shyamalan movie. Speaking of the Shamhammer, did you see uh, his most recent one there with Glass? I didn't see Glass yet. Um, I want to. Me I too. I can't wait to. I've been very cautious, though. Because I think is <laughs> sneaky in my top ten favorite movies of all time. Wow. That's a great one. Yeah. Credit yeah. where it's due for him. That is sure. a really good movie. Just a... And Sad I thought thing Split. To, Split was great, too. Absolutely. How uh, James McAvoy didn't get any attention during that Oscar season for his performance in that movie. That was ridiculous. Me. Yeah. Yeah, because how impressive. Just the way he played all those personalities, I thought was unbelievable. To play that many just back and forth was yeah. something... He got no love. Something unseen before, too. Right. He got no love. He definitely deserves more attention here, but on that note of the Oscars, I believe you got to see a couple of the nominees this year, right? I did. I saw uh, three uh, last weekend at that AMC Best Picture Showcase. Which um, ones did they show? I saw The Favorite, Ooh. which, yeah, pun intended, was not my favorite. <laughs> um, I do like that era, I guess. Of history, it was like uh, England was fighting France, and it was kings and queens, and that can be cool. But the movie itself didn't focus a whole lot on that. It was, it just wasn't my cup of tea. Me too. Yeah. Did you see that one? I yeah, and I gave it yeah. my very worst review that I've given a movie. Oh, I did see that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It was. Uh, and I'm a. I love Emma Stone. I think she's wonderful. Rachel Weisz, you know. Of course, great performances. I, I, right, performance-wise, I guess you, like you said, you got to give her credit where credits too. But just and then it ended so strangely, like you know, it I don't was know. no payoff to any no, of the like, board. Okay, let's see what happens. Let's see some some justice served, but it just didn't happen. Yeah, it's just a bunch of women being mean to each other, yeah. and I don't get it. I don't know why we suffered two hours and fifteen minutes for it. It was brutal. Maybe just the point was to show that for the rest of Emma Stone's character's life, she was going to have to be subjective to whatever will of the queen. Yeah. Well, Rachel Weiss just got to get out of the country scot-free. And I mean, I, I think Emma Stone does deserve a lot of attention for the performances she's given in recent years. But this one, sure, she could have some contention if they wanted to try and sneak her in for... A best actress or something but yeah but that movie is terrible yeah i just i had to endure it I sat there and endured it <laughs> that's just but one the, uh, long bathroom break of a day yeah <laughs> you sit in the theater with all these people and everybody you know everybody's uh everybody's a critic as the saying goes but honestly in events like i was at where you're sitting there in a theater full of people 
everybody's got an opinion and you know, oh it was a very lovely performance and home, 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 home. everybody's uh, you know <laughs> pretending to be the uh movie critic of the, the moment professional yes of course yeah. everybody just just say it you didn't like it it stunk you know what i mean everybody's afraid to just come out and say that movie was junk absolutely but, did it seem like in the theater the did the majority like the movie i think like i said everybody's kind of sitting in there trying to be uh you know i don't know i don't know what the word would be that they're trying to big time it a little bit, and they just think that you know they're going to be a movie critic and critique it like they're professionals. But not quite. But, but there were some people that, uh, yeah, they, I mean, the people behind me were talking pretty highly about it, just about their performances and stuff. And that's like you said, that's probably where you could say that it was was okay, just because of the performances that were given, not so much the storyline itself. Absolutely. So what else did you get to see there? We saw Black Klansman. I'm a big fan. I didn't of that realize one. was it. Yeah, I didn't realize it was a true story. Yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. It's kind of a um, shocker. It was. It was. Um, like I thought it was great. But how come that you know once the the clans didn't when they called back to the police station? How come uh, Adam Driver's character didn't start picking up the phone? You know why did the real Ron Stallworth have to continue the phone conversations while Adam Driver's Ron Stallworth had to go to the in-face meetings. Sound like an unnecessary uh, risk to take, you know? Yeah. It, it was But it made, creative, for, it made for a good story. Yeah, yeah I mean, <laughs> you don't see that every day, but... No. And I... One thing that I saw recently was whenever that was getting nominated and they... I actually saw they had a video on YouTube of the director. Spike Lee? Yeah, Spike Lee. Yeah. And they had a video of Spike Lee whenever he was reacting to the news on the TV of them announcing that it got nominated for Best Picture. And it just warmed my heart to see. Like, he was, he was just freaking out. So excited. And I that is why I love supporting a lot of these filmmakers. Because you can tell he was so genuine and how excited he was about it. And that just, that made me even happier that it got nominated. Granted, it deserved the nomination just by its merit there. I guess everybody needs a Super Bowl. But I think that sometimes the, uh, like the snubs, you know, like the Oscar snubs, people, you know, worked their whole career to have that that uh, moment of validation where they want to win an Oscar. But, you know. Doesn't always mean that your career is any less because you didn't win one. Absolutely. And I'd say even being nominated for those is absolutely an accomplishment. I mean, that's something, if I could get, by some grace of God, to get a movie nominated for any kind of Oscar, even if it was like Suicide Squad and it was just for makeup, like that's a life achievement. Yeah, especially for a movie like that. Yeah, Suicide Squad, another David Ayer one for you. Yes, which, you know, I understand there was some really bad uh, press with that movie as well, but it was maybe some of it was rightly rightly so. It was entertaining. I, I just, ugh, that cinematic universe is not great. 
No, I think that that we can talk for two hours about the problems with the DC it's extended true. universe. They got quite a list. Unpopular opinion. Uh, I thought that uh, the Batman vs Superman was thoroughly entertaining, and I thought that that Batman version was one of my favorite Batmans um, that's ever been conceived. Unfortunately, I completely disagree. (laughs) (laughs) It was like the pages from a graphic novel. I mean, the warehouse fight scene with Ben Affleck as Batman and Batman vs. Superman is what I've always wanted in a Batman movie. That was the first time I ever got it. Like, Christian Bale's Batman is great. But, I mean, honestly, the fight sequences aren't all that awesome. They could have been better. But that was like, that Batman is like, okay, could Batman exist in the real world? And I get the take Christopher Nolan was doing with that, but I mean, I just enjoyed the, uh, I enjoyed Batfleck, and it's a shame that he didn't get a chance to shine in a solo film. That's true. Under his own writing and directing, because I think it could have been sweet. Who would you like to see take up the mantle now? Oh wow! Now that's a nice question. <laughs> I looked at some lists recently. As a matter of fact, my brother and I were were talking about that. A couple of guys I never heard of. Um, oh my. I know Army was Hammer a, was one of them. But Army Hammer, he, I'm tired of Army Hammer. I don't know. He, there's <laughs> Hollywood. I think Hollywood tries to push people, you know, into stardom, and I'm, I just don't want it. I don't, I don't want to. I don't want to see that. You're good um, on the the Army Hammer Batman. Just a guy from uh, one of the guys that was on the list. He he plays Superman in the Supergirl TV series. Ooh, I don't know the name there. I gave yeah, up on Supergirl I, a long time ago. Yeah, yeah, I don't watch it, but I saw the list that he was. They were talking about him uh, potentially, and he's got the he's got the face for it. You know, you got to have the face. <laughs> I forget who it was that said that the playing Batman. You know, anybody can put on the cape and cow and and play that part because it's a costume as long as you have the chin for it. <laughs> but it's the Bruce Wayne that's the challenge. That's where the acting comes in. Now, a more philosophical question for you. Which one is the real character? Is Batman the real character, or is Bruce Wayne the real character? Which one is the mask, I guess? Oh, I think that at any given time, they both can be the mask. But I'd have to say that the Bruce Wayne's the mask, Batman's who he wants to be. I like that answer. That's that's my favorite thought to have on it. I'd love yeah. to ask people actually involved in the creation of the character just what they would think of that. But Well, I think that's, uh, again, we can talk for two hours just on Batman, but <laughs> I always thought that's what the character was missing, just to show the sheer you know, lunacy that it is that he wants to be Batman more than Bruce Wayne, and he is Batman. That's his true self, and they haven't really tapped into his, you know, the darker the side there. Yeah. yeah. That'd be cool to and see it, as soon as we get a new Batman. <laughs> we'll see if Matt Reeves heads that direction with, uh, with this. I like what he did with the Planet of the Apes. I really love those that trilogy of movies. Absolutely. He's been working on this script for like two years, too. For the Planet of the Apes or this Batman movie? For the Batman movie. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Seeing more of the Planet of the Apes would be cool, too, though. I thought he created a nice little world there. It was a lot of a lot of fun. It was, and it, just a very dramatic. The uh, yeah, we, the DC universe. 
I think that they rushed it. I mean, that's probably the general consensus. Absolutely. They they tried to force feed too much of it. They should have. It should have been a fifteen year process. Give me a solo Batman movie. Take it way back. You know. Absolutely. It's just uh, I don't know. And you uh, hanging a franchise around Superman is tough because I think that's inherently kind of a corny character. Yeah, not exactly. It, he would need to be changed a little bit yeah. to use him as the headliner, I guess. Although I love the Man best, of Steel. Yeah. Well, I think Henry Cavill, it, it, I'll give you that. It was good. But I thought the best Superman you've seen was the part of Justice League, which I know is terrible. <laughs> but the part of Justice League, whenever they wake him up and he's like, shirtless standing in front of that statue and they all fight him that's the best superman i've seen that moment right there it was a good moment and i'd say i would absolutely champion justice league over batman versus superman any day it's not by a ton but (laughs) it's it's definitely better to me well cyborg's a throwaway character to me i got no interest in cyborg and even the flash i mean you get tired of him after 20 minutes I have to believe that there is a story that makes Cyborg interesting that we just haven't seen in a movie, but right. we just haven't seen it yet. The best thing to do was what they did with uh, like the X-Men franchise, where they just kind of forget about X-Men Origins, Wolverine. Yeah. Like where they kind of just, and then with Deadpool, they kind of left that. They should do that with Justice League. Forget they made Justice League, and then keep Wonder Woman where she's at, and then roll from there, you know? Yeah, that's definitely the that's Fox model. Best case scenario. <laughs> forget, yeah. And I think that that might work for him. I mean, did you get to see Aquaman? I didn't. I did not get to see it. But it's making a lot of money, and people seem to like it, right? It, is, it? it has made a ton of money, and I I did see it. I don't like do it quite think? as much as I think a lot of people do. But the underwater scenes, I didn't see it, and I may be wrong, but they they seemed a little bit. You know, just the way they made it look on film to show that they're underwater looked a little bit tough to tough to watch. They were definitely different, and I'm kind of worried that doing them underwater like that, it's kind of asking for the movie to not age well. Right. Just because, I mean, technology looks great to us right now, but give it yeah, a couple like more years. Like conversation, yeah. Yeah. And then I don't think it's going to be one that people look back on and say, Man, that was groundbreaking or anything. Right. It was a neat idea, though. And I I think that it's kind of an instance of, well, our expectations were so low for DC that we like this it's one. Great. So we yeah. love it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I think they really need to get out of that. I mean, I'd hope to see that Flash movie that they promised years ago, but it doesn't even seem like we're going to get that now. No. They were talking about what that flashpoint, that storyline where something about going back in time and Bruce Wayne's dad was still alive and became Batman or something. Wasn't that the storyline they were going to use? Yeah, there was something crazy with the timeline. Yeah. That sounds like it could be cool. It I mean, does. Especially they were they, say Jeffrey Dean Morgan was going to play because he was Thomas Wayne in yeah. the, the beginning of uh, Batman versus Superman. He would play like the Thomas Wayne Batman, which I think would be cool because he's wonderful. Yeah, I mean, I love Jeffrey Dean Morgan. Even right now in The Walking Dead, which I'm a couple episodes behind on, but, like, 
That show went downhill by a lot, but I am now most interested in his character on the show. Right. He's an interesting guy. I watched a uh, pretty mediocre movie the other day uh, on Netflix. It was called, um, oh, man. It's with Mads. Is it Mads Mikkelsen? Mads Mikkelsen? Who's that guy? Is that how you say his name? I believe that's at least close. That's how I would have said close it. Close enough, yeah. Is that the uh, Netflix <laughs> original one? I don't think it was a Netflix original. It may have been called, like, The Salvation or uh, Redemption. Not Redemption. Something. It's a Western, and he's Mads Mikkelsen is a Danish uh, immigrant in America, and he, like, waits for his family to come over. And um, anyway, Jeffrey Dean Morgan is the main bad guy in the movie, and he's the most interesting character in it. He's wonderful, and he's just so menacing, 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 (laughs) menacing. That's the word I want to use in the whole film. And uh, I want to see more of him being bad guys in character in movies because I think he's great. I think that is definitely his forte as an actor is being the villain. Right. I mean, he just plays it so well. And honestly, I think that's Mads Mikkelsen's forte too. I agree. I didn't see there's that movie he's in, in uh, on Netflix as well called Polar, Yeah, which uh, I was going to watch it because I love him, and it seemed like a cool flick, and I read a review that said it was one of the worst movies that Netflix uh, that Netflix put out, so I didn't watch it, and I'm upset that I read the review because I would have already watched it. Now I'm, like, hesitant about it. Yeah, Netflix has had a real bad run with their originals. I'm waiting for them to break through, but it just hasn't happened. I think it's a content problem. It seems like they dump so much content on there that they're just like, whatever. They just Let's just throw all this stuff out there. And you, and as the viewer, you have to sift through, okay, what's good, what's not good. And, you know, yeah. I guess that's their model. But. And Netflix only gives you the what would match what you watch, too, now. And they don't really give you what people are rating them on there just because right probably because all of their original stuff would be ranked pretty low right they don't want that that's bad press exactly they don't want to admit that they're bad and i guess can you blame them there but no yeah they they've always been pretty solid with original shows but not original movies right i would agree in fact they just now recently canceled the punisher so great move there of course. <laughs> I disagree with you. Oh, I know. Sarcasm. Censure sarcasm. Because I loved it. I thought, uh, so I think your question earlier about a movie that was kind of rated poorly that I love was the first Punisher with Thomas Jane. Oh. And I've always loved the Punisher as a character. I used to read that comic uh, when I was a kid. My dad would read that comic to me um, when I was a child which probably explains a lot about how I am now. But yeah, <laughs> I was waiting, you know, because I like that movie and I like Thomas Jane. And I understand that it was just okay. And I was waiting for, can I get the Punisher that he's supposed to be, like how he is in the comics? And I thought John Bernthal did a great job with that. And that even the, the show itself did a real nice job. And there were some low points in the, in the uh, each season, I thought. But uh some of the sequences of him just kicking butt were fantastic. Yeah. I was really upset to see it go. Yeah, I mean, that's 
because now really the fate of it is unsure. You know, you don't know. Is it, am I ever going to see it again? That's true. Yeah, because I think there's Probably a deal not. as part of it that they Marvel can't even use that iteration of the character for several years before it expires. I guess that's terrible. And I know they were accrediting some of that to Disney starting their streaming service, Disney Plus. Yeah, but yeah. I doubt they're going to streamline a super violent uh, character like the Punisher on their Disney Plus streaming service. Unfortunately, yeah. Yeah. Although I did see, uh, I think it was Bob Iger was talking about the likelihood of doing more rated R stuff like a Deadpool whenever that gets brought over to Disney. Well, that would be uh, very interesting, and I hope that he's uh, serious about that. Yeah, it would be a smart move. I think they just said it would be kind of under a different label. Rather right. than saying Disney in the beginning. Wouldn't be like, you know, scrolling through it right next to the Lion King remake. You wouldn't have Marvel's The Punisher. Yeah, probably not. What do you think of that Lion King remake, though? It's an animated movie. So they just took an animated movie and made it animated again. So I don't understand really the, and they just, just you know, it's really not a live action remake because it's not live lions and That's live true. giraffes. So, I mean, like the other ones I get because there was human uh, actors playing these parts. But this one, it's just really just a fancier animated movie for the same one. Probably think, not even as good. I think it was definitely so, a stretch to call uh, the Jungle Book a live action one with one human in the movie. Right. And uh, I'd Which say I it's like. a real stretch to call this one live action, but I've got high hopes for it. Yeah. We'll see. I have my hopes aren't high, but I'll give it a look for sure because you know nostalgia. Of course, and the music. I was ex- <laughs> yeah, and the music. You're right. Now tracing Absolutely. tracing back to what somehow led us to here. What was <laughs> the third movie that you saw at the screening at AMC? Oh yeah. <laughs> what was it? Oh, it was uh, Bohemian Rhapsody. Oh, it's a good one. Queen movie. Did you like it? Did you see that one? I did. Yep. Yeah. Were you a fan? I was a fan. Uh, I love Queen. Um, I think that they're great. Um, I didn't know a lot of the storyline of how they came to be, which is cool. And I know a lot of that's probably embellished for film. Um, of course. But it was pretty neat. I've, I've been wondering what, what uh, people closest to Freddie Mercury thought about um his portrayal on that movie, if it was accurate or, or if it was uh, just off base or not, I'd, I'd be interested. I didn't get to read as to whether or not his family reacted to that. Yeah. I just, but, uh, uh, I watched it. It was interesting. I watched it for the second time now on DVD the other day, and that kind of sparked me to do a little bit of research on whether or not it was Randy Malik singing or not. And some of these things, some of them or it, all of it? It turns out, I guess they got a guy that I believe he's on YouTube that does like a very good impression, I guess, mm-hmm. of Freddie Mercury's voice. And they took that guy and Remy Malik and kind of put their voices kind of together somehow, I guess. Hmm. And it kind of flowed well enough. So they put that in the movie. Sound like Freddie Mercury. Yeah. Yeah, somehow. Some weird mutation of voices. And it worked out. It's pretty wild what they can do. Yeah. But I love the movie. I think it turned yeah, it out good. really well. Yeah. 
it was, and again, that was, uh, and I don't have the Rotten Tomatoes score in front of me, but I don't think that one got a lot of high percentage points on the critic score, and it's up for an Academy Award. Yeah. Do you have a pick going into the Oscars now? Because for the audience, we're recording this on Sunday before the Oscars. Do you have a pick for what you want to win, Best Picture? Oh, my. What I would like to win. I haven't seen it yet, but I already know before I watch it that I'm, I'm digging it. And then I would hope that it would win. A Star is Born. But I guess that's a long shot unless I read some of those things incorrectly. Yeah, um, it it doesn't seem like it's getting put up there in many odds so far. I'm but. a big Bradley Cooper guy and Sam Elliott's in it. I haven't seen it yet and I'm, I'm dying to watch it. It might happen later this afternoon as a matter of fact. It's a really good movie. I yeah. can tell you for sure. Now yeah. Sam Elliott does play your typical Sam Elliott character so don't get your expectations too, too high. Mustache and everything. <laughs> Absolutely. Speaking but, of Sam Elliott, did you see the movie that he's in? I don't know if it was a straight-to-DVD or if it's going to be released. Um, it's called The Man That Killed Hitler and then Bigfoot. I did not see anything about that. <laughs> yeah, I watched the trailer for it uh, last week, and I don't know if it it may already be out on, on like DVD, but it's called The Man That Killed Hitler and um, then Bigfoot. I'm going to have to check that out. <laughs> and it's Sam Elliott's the star in it, and it looks great. <laughs> that, that sounds like an incredible change of history. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah, so it's something to put in the history books. Yeah, absolutely. Don't think there's any truth to it, but either way, we should tell those kids that. <laughs> of course. Yeah, teach the. This is the guy that killed Hitler and Bigfoot. That's quite an accomplishment. And his name's Sam Elliott. Really <laughs> is. But yeah, it looks cool. I didn't get to. Uh, I didn't get to dive into it further to see if it was actually able to be watched yet, or if it was going to be in theaters. Man, if that gets to theaters, it better make $2 billion. <laughs> <laughs> or I got no faith in humanity. Exactly. I mean, that's what we as filmgoers need to be supporting. Original <laughs> ideas in Hollywood. That's, that's <laughs> right, because there aren't enough of them. If it ain't a comic book, it ain't original nowadays, it seems. Yeah. So, let's say that... A big movie producer approaches you and says, man, you've got good ideas with Sam Elliott here. And they say, if you could set a movie in any time in history starring Sam Elliott, when would it be? I'm going to tell you what. That's the perfect question because here's what I always think. <laughs> there, and, and maybe I'm wrong, but I don't think there's any modern, really awesome movies that truly portray the brutality of the Civil War in America. That's a good point. I mean, it, a lot of people died, and I'm sure there are some incredible stories of, you know, just heroics that have come out of that that you don't ever see on film. Um, and I think that Sam Elliott, he can fit that time period very well with his voice and his mustache. <laughs> So I would go somewhere along the lines of that. Yeah, maybe he's a Civil War colonel for the North, and he's got to do something interesting. Uh, I think he could definitely pull off a Civil War yeah, character. That would be cool. I don't know if it's because as more time goes by, people become disinterested in that period of history, but uh, I think it's something I mean, we don't see enough of. You, know? you see a ton of World War II flicks, tons of them over the years, some better than others, and different isolated storylines coming out of that. 
I think that the Civil War could be just as an interesting uh, topic for a film. That's true. Probably more interesting than anything that happened in the favorite there with their time period choice. Yeah, but, absolutely. <laughs> so you mentioned... Not that ever get around to it. But if I ever write a movie, it'll be written in the Civil War era. I like it. I like it. It's a good call. Thank you. And you know what? You could probably do that on a reasonable budget. Yeah, I'm sure in the area we live, there's plenty of people with uh, probably <laughs> Civil War costumes we can borrow and use. That's true. We don't need much costume design. And you don't need to CGI Thanos in there or anything, so it'd be great. No, be great. <laughs> now, you mentioned a couple of your favorite movies earlier, whether it be some of the ones from your childhood or rather more recent ones, but let's say in this weird scenario where you're somehow stranded on a deserted island and somebody, and but before you leave, for some reason, somebody lets you choose just one movie to take with you. What would it be? Without hesitation, it would be Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, starring Kevin Costner. And why is that? I'll tell you why. It's got action, which, you know, I like action anyway. If I'm on a deserted island, I'm going to want a little bit of action. You got swordplay. You got a little bit of, like, fantasy from, like, you know, just the Sherwood Forest kind of stuff. You got love. You got to have a love interest. made Marion, so you've got that part of it. You've got the good guy coming out on top, and it's got a little bit of everything, I think. It's got it all. It's a total package. The only thing it doesn't have is Kevin Costner talking with an English accent, but you know what? I could get past that. <laughs> it's in my, definitely in my top 15 favorite movies of all times. It's in my top three most watchable movies, and that's why it's coming on the island with me. Now I'm curious, what would those other movies be in your top three most watchable movies? Most, yeah, most, I guess most rewatchable, rewatchable movies. I don't know if I could give you three. I just like throwing out three to give myself a little buffer zone there so I'm not <laughs> held towards, you know, something being number one, two, or three. I see. The political response. <laughs> yeah. I will see. Yeah, thank you. I definitely uh, absorbed it, deflected it. <laughs> no, I would, uh, if I had to pick my favorite movie of all times, I could definitely give you my top one, my number one there. And what's that? And it's The Predator starring Arnold Schwarzenegger. Okay, a little classic, Arnie. Without a doubt. I was <laughs> raised on that movie, and I'll raise my child with that movie. <laughs> if Are you sure that's a positive influence? <laughs> Worked out for me. Well, that couldn't happen again. Same recipe, right? All right, I like it. So I'll wait till he's eight or nine years old before I make him watch the parts that aren't incredibly gory, and then as he ages, we'll... Open his eyes up for those other parts, of course. I see. So it's it's just a slow introduction process. Right. Yeah. I think my dad first showed me the scene where all the guys... Have you seen Predator? I've original? seen more bits and pieces. Haven't sat right. down to watch the whole thing. Well, it holds up. So you should do yourself a favor. I'll have to check it out. Yeah. So there's a scene where all the guys are standing in a row and they're just firing their weapons into the trees, shooting at nothing, and... Uh, you know, my dad always would just sit there and just think that he was one of the guys in that scene. And he let me watch that scene first. 
And then that kind of uh, opened the doors for me for the action, and that's what stoked the flames of my love for action movies from the 80s and early 90s. And I long for those days back. <laughs> so, we don't have the action star anymore. That's true. But uh, with the idea of acting like you're in a scene, for one thing, is that something that you'll do with your son, too? <laughs> yes. And then Acting then... like I'm in a scene? Yeah, sure. I'll show him that very scene, probably, <laughs> and say this. You turn into your parents whether you want to or not, it seems. That's what's happening to me. And then on top of that, if you could star in the movie, would you do that? If, if they decided that they wanted to remake the movie and they said... Hey, Corey, we want you to star in this. Would you do it? I'd have, yes. I'd have to put on about 35 pounds of muscle. Uh, and then, yeah, I'd be in. But see how long it would take me to put on that kind of muscle mass. Would that be your top choice if you could star in any movie? Wow. That's, uh... uh I'd have to say, yeah, to, to pay homage to my father and to uh, really make him proud. If he saw me on screen in a Predator movie, I think his life would be complete. <laughs> the only thing better would be if he was in the movie. So, yeah, I'd say, yeah, I'd go with the Predator. You just That's have to negotiate with a contract to get him in it, too. Some type of a cameo, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, definitely. I think I'd there's a deal to be made there. Shame I don't know a movie producer or somebody that's in that industry. That would be nice. I'll see if I can get you any connections. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate it. Maybe one I got other ideas, too. <laughs> oh. Any other ones you'd like to share? I had an idea for a, a movie that uh, used to be my um, line I would use when I was talking to women out in public. If I was maybe trying to uh, court a young lady, I'd always tell them I was a member of what's called the Domestic Special Forces. Which doesn't exist, um, but I would always say that it's a, a, you know, it's a branch of the military that trains people in domestic-related problems. So let's say you have, you're living in a small town, and maybe that town is filled with drugs and crime, and the law enforcement's having a hard time cracking that. They can't quite make a dent. What happens is the military steps in, and they have a group called the Domestic Special Forces, and a couple of assets are placed in those areas that have to infiltrate those drug networking or the crime syndicates, and they have to take them out. And that's uh, that's what I was trained to do, according to my story I would tell these people. And it's amazing how people believe that. But then I always thought that'd be a great idea for a movie. That's definitely an interesting idea. But yeah. was this solely created to court young women? <laughs> It was. It was indeed. And then from there, it could be perhaps uh, a, a wonderful movie franchise That down the road. Then you could just point to it and say, see, I was being completely honest. Yeah. <laughs> One particular instance, I uh, uh, had a woman, you know, she believed me. And then I couldn't carry the lie on any longer, so I told her what I actually do for a living. And then she stopped talking to me immediately. <laughs> so... She That's, didn't like uh, the uh, like the attempt she, there. Yeah, I don't know if she didn't like that I lied to her, or she didn't like that my real job was way more boring than what I told her I did do lying. So maybe we'll she was just know. only in it for the money. 
Maybe. The fame. The excitement. I couldn't provide. <laughs> the thrill, of course. But I married a woman now that, uh, you know, likes what I currently do, so that's even better. I don't have to lie. That's good. I'll just yeah. have to cut out that little <laughs> sound bite for you to play for her. <laughs> so now I'd like to close with this question for you. Is there a particular movie prop that you wish you could own? Oh my goodness gracious. A particular movie prop that I wish I could own. I would want, and this goes back to our conversation about Batman. I want the Michael Keaton Batmobile from the first Batman. Wow. Classic. If you remember, if you ever saw that particular Batman, well, Michael Keaton is my favorite Batman. In fact, that movie is my favorite Batman, the Michael Keaton Batman. You're showing your age. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, I am. But part of the reason I want that is for nostalgic reasons, too. I had a whole bunch of Hot Wheels cars growing up. And one of my favorite cars I had was that Batmobile, that version of it. And it was always sweet, and I still think it's sweet, and it holds up. I, that's what I want. I'd want that Batmobile, just to drive to work in, you know, and any other type of leisure adventures I was on. That would be a great thing to show up and just toss the keys to the valet with. Yeah, park <laughs> this. That- you got one? How about you? What, what, what would be your movie prop? Oh, that's, I don't know. I haven't really thought about it. I'm the guy that asks the questions. You're asking the questions. (laughs) um, Off the top of my head, it would probably, because I'm a total Star Wars nerd, it would probably end up being a lightsaber. But you couldn't actually have a real lightsaber. Wouldn't that kind of be upsetting? No, you just have like the part that you hold, not the actual Well, I'm thinking in this hypothetical world where I get to, randomly get a movie prop i'm gonna say it's real it's working yeah i thought maybe you'd want like uh an x-wing or the millennium falcon itself no those would be cool too but the problem is parking (laughs) well yeah never mind the international you know restrictions are on flying that's true there's lots of those and i feel like it's just simple to have a lightsaber you know there's just the button Whereas, yeah. I mean, you get the Millennium Falcon and there's a lot more buttons. I could never the figure all that out. technology. Have they, have they dove into that? I'm sure the people that are really into Star Wars have dove into that. The, the way a lightsaber can open up and only remain at that height. Yeah, I think there, yeah. Was, there was some university that I think was working really hard on it. I don't remember if they actually got anything functioning yeah. for it. That'd be interesting. It would be cool, but seriously, the convenience. Yeah, it would be cool to have Bubba Fett's uh, entire like armored outfit. That's true, too. It would be cool, too. I'll tell you what. I I think I might want to take back my answer, actually. <laughs> I, I changed it. I think, I think I'm going to lock in with an Iron Man suit. Oh, yeah. Because that, that would be the peak of awesome. <laughs> I did just recently see a uh, side-by-side picture of the most recent Iron Man suit versus the one from the first Iron Man, and I definitely prefer the first Iron Man look of the suit with, like, the squared-off shoulders and more so than than what they had in uh, Infinity War. That's true. The Infinity War one is pretty cool, though. I'll give him credit. The the, nanotech-type idea was cool. Really cool. 
yeah, I give you that. But I mean, just from the overall look of it, never mind the function. I mean, I'll say as far as if my dreams somehow came true, I'd say I'd want the Infinity War one because that's so convenient. But yeah, you're just wearing a hoodie and then it just turns into a suit. Absolutely, but yeah. because it's a matter of you know beggars can't be choosers, I think I'd take the first one. <laughs> Yeah, I'd accept that too. I'm not going to shoot you down. If anybody no. out there is listening, thinking, "Man, I got to get this guy <laughs> an Iron Man suit," you take whatever you're sending. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be upset. <laughs> you got to have the chest piece, though. You know, your of heart's course, got to stop. That could be tough. You need the uh, arc reactor technology. Yeah, it's a lot tough. of things got to fall into place. <laughs> a lot, a lot of big discoveries would have to be made. Yeah. Corey, I'd like to thank you so much for coming on, though. Zach, it's been a pleasure. I had a great time. Like I said, I could talk about this stuff uh, for hours. Yeah, I mean, now, where can people find you on Twitter? Not that I've seen you tweet much, but... (laughs) I'm a retweeter, and I like tweets. I usually don't throw out my own original ideas on Twitter for a lot of reasons. But uh, my Twitter handle is oldpainless39, and that's a throwback to the movie predator as well <laughs> old painless is the uh minigun that jesse ventura's character holds so it all comes back to the predator <laughs> that's that should be the name of this episode it all comes back <laughs> to the predator <laughs> <laughs> thanks again to Corey for coming on the show and thank you so much for listening i'll see you next time on the movie take podcast <laughs>